you for that song, Brother Derry. That's a song about traveling. It's a song about a journey. And it leads right into the message that the Lord laid on my heart from Philippians 1, verse 6. This is a, a special Sunday. It's kind of a homecoming in a way, isn't it? With the annual hymn thing, I'm not sure if it's 50 years or, or thereabouts, that every year around this time there's an annual hymn thing, and so there's a, seems to be some excitement in the air. There's some smells and there's some sounds and there's uh, some new people here, and it's just great to to have all the visitors here today, and there'll be a lot more coming over the next couple of hours. But I want to tell you, even though this is kind of a homecoming, we're not home yet. We're on a journey. We're on a spiritual journey from earth to heaven. And we have a good guide, the Holy Spirit within us. We have a good guidebook, the, the Word of God. We have fellow travelers. And so I love the, the song that uh, we just sang, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. I want to move forward. And so this is a most positive verse in the book of Philippians. Philippians 1, that is part of Apostle Paul's prayer for the Philippian church, where he is just so thankful and so confident and so optimistic that they're going to get home. Philippians 1 6, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. That's in the New King James Version. And the Good News Translation, which is a little bit more um, easy to understand in many places. And so I am sure, he says, that God, who began this good work in you, will carry it on until it is finished on the day of of Christ Jesus. The title of my message is Work in Progress. Now, we've all heard this expression, he's a piece of work. What's meant by that, children, when somebody says, he's a piece of work? Another similar expression is, he's a diamond in the rough. These are expressions that mean this particular person isn't complete. They're not uh, shining in the full way that they could shine. A diamond in the rough means there's a lot of uh, cloudiness, a lot of pieces that need to be chipped off that stone before it's really shining. And that's all of us. We're all a piece of work. We all need a Savior. And even after we trust in Christ, we continue day by day to need a Savior. We need to be changed more and more from the old person that we were into the new person that we're becoming more and more like Christ. And so, I'd like to talk a little bit about this journey, uh, this spiritual journey. I don't know where you are or where you feel you are in your journey, Brother Amos, it's such a blessing to see you here. I think you're the oldest person here. Statistically speaking, you may be closest to home. And yet we don't know because the young can die as well. But Brother Amos, you are such an inspiration to me. And you're not home yet. You've got some more miles 
There's some more work that God wants to do in you. And then Brother Amos said, uh, it's so inspirational to me. If you ever get a chance to pray with him, it's just such a blessing to hear him pray in the name, the powerful name of Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who changes us from what we were, dead in sin, to what we are now, alive in Jesus Christ, but not yet home. I thought about traveling to Ohio to Grandma's house. Grandma and Grandpa in Ohio were driving across West Virginia or Pennsylvania. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. The, uh, the travelers are weary. It's tiresome. And finally, somebody says, there it is! Welcome to Ohio, Grandma's house. And maybe a young child says, "Why are we still driving?" Oh, well, we got a little ways yet. We're in Ohio, but we're not quite to Grandma's house. A while longer. How much longer till we get there? Have you ever heard that question in the car? How much longer? Two hours. Two hours. I thought. Well, in Ohio, yes, we are. And this is kind of how we are in Christian life. We have started. And the Philippian people, you'll see as we read this, from the first day they believed in Jesus until this day, which was when they were getting this letter read to them, finally till the last day. And the last day, the last mile of the way, is when we meet Jesus. And so all of us today have something in common. We're here today, October 5th, 2019. We're not home yet. Maybe somebody here has never started on the spiritual journey of trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day for you to do that. October 5th, 2019. Maybe you're like me and you're little back. Over 40 years ago, when I first trusted in Christ. But I'm a long way from home, or at least spiritually, I feel I have a long way to go to, to really reflect the image of Christ. But um, there's resources. And this chapter, I think, is some encouraging resources to help me and help us along the way. Well, if you found Philippians 1, what we'll do is go ahead and read the chapter. And then we'll, we'll spend some time mainly on the first 11 verses. <clears throat> Work in progress is the title. There's so many things in this chapter. I was struggling how to divide my thoughts, how to organize them, and um, this week a man was praying for me on this very problem of organizing my thoughts. A kind of unusual, maybe, outline came to me. Maybe to you it doesn't seem unusual, but it's, it's going to be God's work in progress. That's the first point. The second point is good work in progress. And the third word, uh, the third part, will be gospel work in progress. These all kind of over overlay each other, but these verses that really relate to um, all three of these. So if you understand, and we will read Philippians 1, I'll read in the New King James Version. The first two verses are Paul's greeting, verses 3 to 11, thankfulness and prayer. 
12 to 18, Christ is free. 19 to 26, to live as Christ. 27 to 30, striving and suffering for Christ. Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my hands and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, be filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things that happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my sins are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my sins, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my pain, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand thanks in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them, which is to them the fruit of prediction, 
but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict that you saw in me, and now here is in me. Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. We just pray that it would come alive in our minds and hearts and our lives today and in the coming week. We pray that you can Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You may be seated. God's work in progress. If you glance through this chapter, you'll see God and Jesus Christ mentioned many, many times. Uh, the book of Philippians, or the letter to the Philippians, is one of Paul's prison letters. That these four of his letters were written from prison. And he uh, wrote this letter rejoicing in what God had, had, was doing in their life, what he did do, and what he was doing, what he would do in the future. And so he starts by saying, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ who are at Philippine, with the leaders and helpers, or bishops and deacons, overseers and uh, servants. Um, everyone there was to get this letter. Grace and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is an amazing word, and it's some more. But in this letter, grace is God's favor, grace is God's resources. He's saying, I am wishing all of God's resources for you. If you go on a journey, you better be careful. Otherwise, somewhere down the road, you realize, I forgot my wallet. Very bad thing to forget on a trip. Or maybe you forgot something else that you need on this trip. Forgot that other pair of shoes that I need. What am I going to do now? Well, God's grace is God's resources to get us from earth to heaven, to get us from dead in trespasses and sins, God's enemy far from grace into his good grace. So, wow, this work that's happening inside of our hearts is fueled by God's grace. It's his work. Now, I looked up this word work. The Greek word is ergon, and Thayer's Greek lexicon, dictionary, had some different meanings. The first one is how we usually think of work, and that is activity. Get to work, meaning get busy, move your hands, or read the material, work on the math problem. But the second meaning is actually more what it, it means here, and that is any product, whatever, anything accomplished by hand, art, industry, or the mind. So, a work of art, like a painting, that's more the uh, meaning of this word. So, the complete work of Shakespeare means literature, doesn't it? Plays, poetry. Pottery, a work of the potter. It's not so much the potter there using his or her hands, but it's actually the finished product. 
And in Jeremiah, we have that wonderful scripture where God says, I'm the potter, you are the clay. And in fact, he told Jeremiah, go down to the pottery house and watch how he makes the clay. And that's what we are. We are clay. God is the potter. He's shaping us. He's changing us. He is doing His work in our hearts and in our minds, in our lives. The work of Long Island Lumber. I looked at their website, never saw their website before. It's a piece of work. I don't know if the webmaster, I think the webmaster is here somewhere. Where are you? But that website is a piece of work. It's beautiful. And so I'm reading Long Island Lumber. Logging products, crane, bridge, and dragline mat. Some of you see it every day when you go to work. Long Island work is a product. God's work is a product. It's what's happening in your life. It's what's happening in my life. It started on the day when we first trusted in Christ. It will be completed on the day that we meet Jesus. And so I guess today, I was trying to think, what is, what is kind of the thrust of this message? I guess in a way, this is a rest stop. I hope you can just sit, look at Philippians 1, and think about your life and what God is doing. And just take a deep breath and thank God for all the grace, all the resources that you have in heaven and He's pouring down through Jesus on the cross in the resurrection and in Jesus' present day intercession for us. He's pouring all this grace into our journey to make sure that we get home safe and sound. What's he working to make in you? What's he working to make of your life, of my life? You want to flip back a few pages to Ephesians, the letter right before this one, in chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. This is an amazing set of verses that I think summarizes salvation in such a beautiful way. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, verse 10. For we are His workmanship. We are His product. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has a plan for each person's life. This person who is born, almost 8 billion of them around the world right now, God has a plan. He wants to work His good work in that boy and girl and man and woman all around the world. He wants to do it in your life. He wants to do it in my life. And He's doing a great job. We just need to cooperate better. We need to say, yes, Lord, yes. Whatever you want, your will. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. I am the clay, you're the potter. 
and hold a great example of a Christian who allowed difficult times to shape him. So the verse that says that is just beyond. We're going to look at 1 to 11 mainly, but I just want to look at verse 12 briefly. I want you to understand that these things that have happened have actually happened in order to cause the gospel to go forward. And then he refers to his prison. He also refers to those who are preaching the gospel with less than ideal motive, selfish motive. They were actually happy that Paul was in jail. I guess they didn't like his method or his model, how he planted churches or how he did his ministry. So they were pleased, but they also were believers, and he chose to be thankful that the gospel message was going out even from then. He also was thankful that other Christians there in Rome were emboldened to preach. Sometimes when hardship falls on one person, someone gets thrown into prison, other Christians become scared to speak up. But in his case, the whole palace guard, the whole city was talking about Jesus. And many of them had never heard of Jesus. And so the talk in the streets was, yes, this man is in prison because of Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? And so many of the brethren, he said, were emboldened because of my being in prison to give their testimony of what Jesus had done in changing their life, who Jesus was, what he could do for them. So he was just rejoicing that this work that God had in him was uh, moving forward even in hardship. And that's difficult for me to see how things can move forward in the middle of reversals. Am I alone in this? When things don't go well, it's easy to say, well, God, where are you? How's this going to work out for good? Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, and we know that all things work out together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And yet I struggle with that verse until I study verses like this and think about how Paul and others were able to see good come out of evil. And of course, the cross of Jesus is another place where I go to understand that what looks like the worst day in history, and it was the darkest day in history, actually was the day that crushed Satan's kingdom. Satan's head was crushed when Jesus said, it is eating. The Lamb of God has died for the sins of the world. There's forgiveness for everyone. Anyone who comes to God in faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross is saved, delivered from the kingdom of darkness translated in the kingdom of his son. Now, Paul, at times it seems like he's a pretty mature Christian. He's pretty far along on his journey, but if you're flip, if you're back in Philippians now, and you flip a page or two the other way, the Philippians 3, verse 12, he says, I haven't gotten home either. I don't mean to say that I've achieved these things, and he's referring to that. I don't want to know my goal in life is not to hold up the fact that I was a Pharisee of, ben, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin and had all these things 
perfectly in place in my life. I consider all that rubbish compared to the knowledge of Jesus. I want to know Him. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to be conformed to His suffering. And me looking on it, and other Christians could have said, well, Paul, looks like you're about there. <laughs> you're close to your last day. You're rejoicing in suffering. You've really made some progress in your Christian life. Wow, if I could have faith like the Brother Paul has, but he's saying in 312, I'm not home yet. I'm not home physically with Jesus, and I'm not home spiritually where I need to be. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, but in 312, or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection to which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved this, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. You disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. So the, the title of this message, as I've mentioned a couple times, is Work in Progress. And the word work, I got out of our text first, verse 6. He has begun a good work in you, which is God, will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. And the word progress kind of grew out of uh, this thought of journey. You have Google Maps. In your car, probably like uh, I do, or maybe you have the old maps and you look on there and say, We're starting here and we're going there. We're about halfway, we've made some progress. Uh, or spiritually, maybe you can think of all these different areas in your life where God helps you overcome addiction, temptation, problems. You're not home yet, there's still lots of work to do, but there's progress being made. Also found the word progress toward the end of the chapter, chapter one. You may have noticed it when he was uh, saying, "I'm in this in between. I wish I were with Christ. I wish I were dead, but I also want to live because it's more necessary for you." This is 24 and 25. Philippians 24 and 25. It is more necessary for you that I remain in the body, convinced of this. In other words, it's like God said, you're not going to die yet, Paul. You're going to live a while longer. I know I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy of faith. So he was just excited that he was going to stay around a while and watch them grow and make progress in their life. All right, well, the first point, God's work in progress. It is really of God, it's His work. We are the workmanship created to do good work as He helps us do them. The second point is that this is a good work in progress because it's God's work and God is good. God is perfect. God's way is perfect. He is infinite. He is holy. He is righteous. He is love, He is powerful, all wise, always present, all resources of heaven and earth are His. And so He's working in us 
But all that power, all that love, all that resources, it's going to be a good work. A lot of times, my thoughts about what's happening with my life and my spiritual journey pretty negative. These are not good thoughts. Faith would have us think how poor of a job we're doing as a Christian, how often we fail. But the Holy Spirit draws us up for Jesus, up to a higher ground. It is a good work that He is doing in you and in me. And in every Christian who has taken that step of faith to trust in Jesus. Jesus is making a masterpiece in you and in me. That's a miracle. We can be transformed. Me, you know, with my confusion, my brokenness, my problems, my tendency towards backsliding, my mess of a life being changed. His image, yes, he is doing that. He can transform an ugly worm into a beautiful monarch butterfly. And those of you that are more artistic could describe with your ink and your canvas the difference between a very plain worm and a beautiful butterfly. God is doing that in our lives. He can transform us. That's you. That's me. That's us. That's our neighbors. All around the world, wherever there's people that He's created, He can transform them from ugliness into beauty, from ashes to beauty, from a spirit of sadness into a garment of praise, from a useless lump of clay into a useful vessel of honor. Isn't that something? Hallelujah. Now, verses 9 through 11 talk about his great love. He uses all different resources to to change us and save us. And 9 through 11 is a fascinating uh, set of verses about how we are being transformed by his love in our hearts. This love results in our mind thinking right thoughts. He gives us knowledge. He gives us ability to discern good from evil. And even the best and the better. Because many of our choices aren't black and white. Many of our choices are, should I do this right now or should I do this? Should I take time to pray or should I take time to serve? Or could I do both at once? You mothers who are on duty 24-7 know that you can multitask. So 9 to 11 is powerful. How the God's love in our minds and hearts is transforming our way of thinking, giving us new knowledge from His Word, knowledge from the Holy Spirit. We can discern what really is valuable, what is most valuable, and what is less valuable. Rejecting the evil, that's verse 10. It doesn't exactly say rejecting evil, but it says, we will then be pure and blameless, but it has to do with not sinful. This is actually the process that's called sanctification, where we are set apart from sin and set apart 
to righteousness, and that's verse 11. Filled with fruits of righteousness. So instead of all the sin and guilt and blame and impurity, verse 10 and 10, we are filled with the fruits of love and joy and peace and long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all of it because of Jesus working in our hearts and in our minds, transforming us, changing us. And it ends with section 9 to 11, ends by saying, God gets glory and praise. Jesus said, let your light, let your works, your good works, both shine before men, that they can see it. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. The last month or so, I've actually uh, been using a little bit. I'm always looking for ways to witness and struggling with witness. And part of what God wants to do, actually, in verse 6, 5, 6, 7, this work that's in us is the work of spreading the gospel. That's kind of the direct context right there. And so I've felt so many times like I'm just not sharing Christ effectively, but I've tried something new uh, several times, and it's, it's actually kind of cool. So, uh, you know, I get to work in different hospitals with different people, and I, I make new friends. Um, sometimes after we work together a number of weeks, which has happened uh, at this one hospital I was just working last week, people will say something nice about, ah, we sure like working with you. Because when a new worker comes, you're not sure how this is going to go. And they don't all say that, but I've had a few people in the last few weeks who said, we sure like working on whatever nice things they said. And I've tried this. Well, actually, anything good that you like working about me can be explained in one word. And then kind of as I say that, I'm doing this. And it's just really interesting. One day this week, when I did that, uh, a nurse, a particular nurse who had said some kind things and a few others were standing around, she really quick with her answers, very efficient, and kind of just as quickly as I was putting my finger up, she said, God, that's right, God, Jesus, changing my heart. I was really troubled. You've heard me say this before from these verses in Peter where it says, you should always be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies in you. That's often used by ministries of apologetics. And I like the idea of apologetics, being able to give an answer for the arguments of the atheists and the agnostics. And, but if you, I was very relieved one day when I realized that that instruction of being ready to give an answer is in the context of suffering. So when someone says to you, how do you bear up under this strain? How do you manage to cope with all the changes your family has had, with all the health problems you've had? Well, this is the context of that question. And the answer is really one answer, isn't it? Say it with me. So you can do, Peter, the instruction to always be ready to give an answer of the hope that's in you. The reason I'm so hopeful, the reason I can smile, the reason I can go on is because of Jesus. Well, it's a good work he's doing in us. It's a gospel work. I mentioned that that's kind of a contrast 
of our text verse. Now, Philippians is a book full of great joy. Somewhere from 16 to 20 times the word joy is used in different, different ways. And he's starting this letter by just praying with joy. He's just bubbling over with joy. And part of the joy was the faith of Jesus that these people had in the journey they were moving forward, making progress. But part of the joy was how they had partnered together in the gospel, spreading the good news of Jesus to others. They were partners with him in the gospel. And prayer is mentioned different times. One of the best ways to partner with somebody is in prayer. Some of you did that for me this week. Well, I guess you all did it. That's Pastor Galen prayed for me as I give this message. But Pastor Galen and Sister Colleen were praying for me a week ago. They we will pray for you as you prepare and give this message. That was a huge encouragement for this message. Huge encouragement. So if you're getting blessed from this message, I think Pastor Galen and Sister Colleen. They prayed this message from heaven through the scripture through me to you. It's a, it's a blessing to partner with one another. And then pray for me. And others pray for me. Pastor Leon prayed for me before the service started at the back. So you are part of this message. And as we look at each other and say, How can I pray for you? We become part of the work that Jesus is doing in that person's life. The good work. The gospel work. Gospel work is in progress in our lives, in our families, in our church family, in other churches. Around the world, the gospel is going forward. And so if you don't have a prayer list of missionaries and mission places around the world, get one. It's fantastic to be able to to, uh, whether it's the Heralds of Hope or whether it's other mission organizations that lay out each day of the month. And so, today, the one mission thing I was looking at was Cambodia. So, praying for personnel, praying for reviewing rain um, ministry, that they, they are ministering to practice people in, in Cambodia. I can be in Cambodia today, partnering in that ministry. We can be with Brandon at the boys' team, partnering with him in ministry when he goes back there in a couple months. It's an amazing opportunity we have to join the gospel work in progress. God's work in progress, a good work in progress. The only work that will save people is the work of Christ on the cross, in the resurrection, interceding for us, giving us the Holy Spirit. This work, we can link arms with one another. So tomorrow, Jared and Delphine, you're going to link arms together and go into the Amherst scale and teach a Bible lesson. We can go with you. We are going with you. We're behind you. We're partnering in prayer as we go. So Paul's just rejoicing. 
and how they had partnered with him, not just with prayer, but with money. This was the one church that just kept giving and giving and funding. Thanks the whole letter of Philippians, the main reason it may have been written was, thank you, thank you for the care package that you sent me here in Crete and Rome. Fellowship or partnership of the gospel. We have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with other believers. We have fellowship with Jesus in His suffering. And we have fellowship with the message itself. Proclamation of the gospel. Faith of the gospel. The person of the gospel. It's all about Jesus. Well, I need to bring this to a close. We can go on and on talking about the gospel, especially if we start reaching out around the world where God's Word is going forward in amazing ways. I did have written here three practical fellowship activities that will draw us together. One, praying together. And that's really very prominent in this chapter. Paul was praying for them. And then in verse 19, he was saying, based on your prayers for me and the work of the Holy Spirit, I think I'm going to really release the So prayer was going both ways. Mutual prayer. The second is witnessing together. Witnessing together, proclaiming the gospel together. I know better the Ellen and I have a, a link as brothers that we wouldn't have had we not went into the Amherst prison numerous times. And when I think back to our previous churches, the times I went in prison ministry or other ministries, when you join up with another Christian or a team with the purpose of taking God's message, uh, it draws your hearts together in fellowship in an amazing way. So praying together will bring us together, witnessing together, and even giving money. You give money to whatever, Bibles for China. Especially if you give a good chunk of money, maybe beyond what you normally give. When you think about China for the next while, you'll think, oh, yes, I'm part of the gospel going into China. And then suffering together. That's mentioned especially in verse 29 and 30, which is kind of beyond the scope of what we're going to do together but today. For it is given to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. There's a certain drawing together that happens when you suffer together. When you say, oh, I understand migraines, because I have them too. Oh, I understand a need of certain my knee is hurting too. There's just a special link of fellowship that happens when we suffer together. So in summary, God's work is in progress. It started on the first day we trusted in Jesus. It's ongoing today, October 6, 2019. And it's going to continue until the day we meet Jesus being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you 